This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. A new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. All right, we're live today at Beer Bar 161 East, 200 South. They're open at uh, 10 a.m. tomorrow for the Utes game, and they've got a brunch going. That's kind of a new thing they're doing. 50 beers on tap. Um, the RSL game, uh, I don't think it's tomorrow. I think they're off, so that's, an, that's a mistake. But they do have Apple TV, so uh, you have the opportunity to uh, watch the RSL game here, all of them, quite frankly. Uh, 50 beers on tap, over 150 bottles and cans. I'm supposed to promote the Riled Up Red, but whatever. If you want to do that, come by it. Uh, our next guest, though, you know him, you love him, on a Friday afternoon, my guy Chris Camerani from The Athletic. CK, I figured you'd be rolling down here to Beer Bar on a lovely Thursday, maybe crack open a couple of riled, riled Up Reds to get your weekend started out right. What's going on, buddy? Well, again, I'm going to always fall back to my default and the default is until the state of Utah allows me to bring my infant son in to, uh, through, the, through the front doors of any bar establishment, um, I, I, I won't be able to until they allow him in. So uh, one of these days, I promise I'll get down there. But I appreciate the intro. I know when you say people know me and they love me, I don't think it's either of those things, but it applies to you, and that's all that matters. Well, actually, it applies to you for me. Um you know, I'm not yeah. a shameless self-promoter, but I'm trying to think, what would a Chris... Did we already do this? If we, if we named a beer after Chris Camerani, what what it would be? Like, what's your favorite beer? We did not. We did not. Um, I'm not an IPA guy because I'm just not that much of a man. I really like like a like a blonde, a Belgian, an amber. Um, my guy, Chris Dietrich, over at Level Crossing makes a killer uh, amber ale. That's probably my favorite. I also like his Bat Country Um I know you. I know you are the uh, the number one stand for um, the space oddity. As I was during the pandemic, but in my old age, I just can't handle it anymore. And maybe that's because of a lack of sleep and a lack of a lot of other things going on at one time. But um, I don't know what I don't know what the the beer would be called. It'd probably be something like apathetic. But um, we could we can figure that out, and maybe we can. This can be a routine on on our weekly hit. Figure out how about what, how about the beer. yeah yeah how about the indifferent Belgium, the indifferent Camrani mm. Belgium. I, I kind of like something like that. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. We'll, and, work, and, we'll workshop and the, it. 
and the and the art can just be like a shrugged shoulders emoji, just be like, eh, you know. I love it. Kind of I love different. it. Yeah, we'll we'll workshop it. We'll workshop it. But yes, most IPAs taste like dish soap, so I'm kind of with you. Uh, but beer bar is where we're at. One sixty one East, two hundred South, right downtown Salt Lake City. Come on by and say what's up. All right, CK, you know, some of these topics are just difficult to kind of talk about because they're rumors, and I don't love to report on rumors, but we don't get any information uh, when it comes to rumors from Kyle, and I get it, unless they're season-ending. But, you know, we're hearing that Utah is going to be without Cameron Rising, Brant Keithy, Jaquindon Jackson, Makai Bernard, Junior Tafuna, uh, Connor, Connor O'Toole, and maybe some others, too. I mean, the, you can make an argument that those are six of maybe their top seven or eight players. Now, on the other side, we know that Blake Shapin is out, Baylor's starting quarterback, and their best defensive player, uh, the Lemire kid, who's a safety, is also out, too. It makes this really tough to kind of, you know, even break down and talk about. But, you know, what are you expecting to see with two teams that, as of now, according to reports, are both going to be really banged up? Yeah, I think, um, unfortunately for Utah, um, Baylor might have gotten its stinker out of the way in the opener against Texas State. So I think um, if Utah fans are expecting for the youth to go in there and dominate uh, Baylor on the road in like 105-degree heat the way they did at home against Florida, I would caution that line of thinking, um, especially because Dave Aranda now has a week of tape for Bryson Barnes slash Nate Johnson and he is one of the preeminent defensive minds in college football. As related to the injuries, I mean, listen, man, we I always say this on your show, like you can't be surprised that players get hurt because they play football. They play a sport where you're designed to hurt the other person. So um, if Utah is out that many players, they're just going to have to figure it out. And I think this will easily be Utah's most difficult non-conference game of the year for a multitude of reasons, um, not to mention the fact that they're going to be playing basically at 9 o'clock in the morning their time. Um, it's going to be really hot. It's going to be gross in Waco. It's going to be humid. And um, they're going to have to figure out a way to become multidimensional because my guess would be that Dave Aranda and Baylor are going to want to force Bryson Barnes to throw the ball. And if Utah's offensive line isn't up for the task, it could be another rough go uh, for the Utah offense the way it was in Florida. I know I know they did what they needed to do, but if you're, if you're looking at what Utah needs to do in order to get on track before conference play, I don't think they can necessarily afford to have another down week offensively. Yeah, it, it's interesting the, the way you kind of frame that um, because, because we've been talking about you know all week whether or not the Texas State Loss, and we had the play-by-play voice of Baylor on yesterday. And you know how you know those play-by-play guys. You know they they they're very they're very fair. You know they don't they're not biased at all. Obviously, I'm joking. You know his whole thing all week is it's been a rallying cry for okay that was our one mistake we got got but we've got to be clean moving forward. I mean that that T.J. Finley kid, the quarterback for um for Texas State. I mean, he he was uh, an LSU, you know, commit and recruit and then went over to Auburn. I mean, he was benched for Bo Nix. Like this is a talented kid from Texas State that ultimately just wanted to find a place to start. Texas State couldn't really get a ton going on the ground. They were okay on the ground. But again, it's hard to really take anything a play-by-play guy has to have, you know, uh, has to say very seriously because they just walk with the propaganda of the team. But according to what John Morris told us, Baylor's defensive front is pretty stout. He thinks Utah's going to have a tough time running the football like Texas State did. 
Having said that, do you believe that there's enough of what we've seen from Bryson, uh, a player that you've written on before and, and know, that maybe Andy looks to kind of utilize the throw game as a result of a comp, you know, compromised secondary without the Lemire kid who's their best safety to try to utilize the movement through the throw game, as Kyle would like to say? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think if we're going to start with kind of the battle up front, I think this is where Utah's depth at the running back position will pay off if they are without Jaquin and Jackson and Mekhi Bernard because you still have Jalen Glover and Chris Curry there who are two players who are at different points of their career, but Chris Curry played on an on a national championship team at LSU. I know he suffered the season-ending injury a year ago, and then you have Jalen Glover, who is a very highly rated recruit coming to Utah. The pressure will fall on those guys to alleviate the pressure that will be on Bryson Barnes. And that being said, I think this will be a huge game for Utah's wide receivers. And if you are without Brent Keithy, that means that they're going to have to take advantage of every ball thrown at them, whether it's a perfect ball or a 50-50 ball or whatever. You're going to need Devon Bailey, Micah Pittman, uh, Money Parks, uh, Mikey Matthews. This is a game where Utah's wide receiving core will have to help lift this offense because if not – it, it could become fairly one-dimensional, and then if you're going to put all that on the shoulders of Bryson Barnes on the road against a talented team who just won the Big 12 a couple of years ago, I think that Anthony Richardson, they gave up 283 yards on the on the ground and 106 of those rushing a year ago when they were facing a dual-threat quarterback, the caliber of Anthony Richardson. I'm not saying this Baylor backup is Anthony Richardson, but historically, Utah's defense has had trouble with uh, dual-threat quarterbacks, uh, as most defenses do. Um, I, I would caution that you know Utah's defense is going to make this kid's life very difficult. We have to see what what it, what 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 it looks like once he gets out on the field. If he's rattled, yeah, Utah might have a day for itself and be able to further rattle his cage. But I don't know. I think there was a game a few years ago. I can't remember what the kid's name was. It was like an Oregon backup quarterback when Utah went up to Eugene and an Oregon backup quarterback shredded Utah's defense to pieces and and Oregon beat a pretty good Utah team with its backup quarterback at home. So um, it's kind of like that, the NBA theory of like role players play better at home and they struggle on the road. I think you could apply that to, you know, a backup quarterback who's doesn't have a whole lot of, you know, experience. I think it would be one thing if Baylor was coming here as opposed to Utah going there. He'll be more comfortable. He'll have the crowd behind him. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think, as you mentioned, there's a reason why this kid was a highly, highly touted recruit and could have gone anywhere in the country. So the intangibles are there. It's just a matter of if he can put it together or not. So, I, you know, I've talked about this before. I'm quite sure I kicked the tires with you as well. I, I still believe Utah can go to Waco and get the win. Uh, you know, I think defense travels, uh, even with a banged-up D, what we saw last week. And we'll see what Florida does moving forward. That's the complicated thing in college football. Uh, whether you lose or win, you have to hope the team you played against goes on to be really good. So I don't know how good Florida is. The talk was Graham Mertz would look much different in a different system, and he looked exactly like the Graham Mertz we saw at Wisconsin. Uh, but I, th- I, I think it's pretty safe to say that that defense is going to travel and play well. Uh, I think Utah will be able to, I, I'm confident Utah can go to Baylor tomorrow and get a win. But when you look at the way the Pac-12 performed, I mean, CK, all off season it's been Southern Cal, Utah, Oregon, Oregon State. 
in addition to Washington. Those have been the five teams. We have to put Colorado on that tier now. There are six legitimate mm-hmm. teams, and even some of the lower-tier teams look decent. Now, a lot of this, a lot of this is going to work its uh, work its way out over the next couple of weeks because it's a pretty big slate, week two for the Pac-12. But I, I still believe that conference is the point of emphasis. And, you know, all due respect to Florida and Baylor, my guess is I don't think those two teams – are going to be the same challenge as the five, six teams that I just listed for the University of Utah. Is there anything behind the mindset of not just Cam, but Brant, Junior, Connor, all of these teams, all of these players that may be sitting for a minute? Is there anything to the mindset potentially of making sure they're as whole as possible on September 23rd when UCLA rolls in town to start conference play? I don't think so, just because. I think every injury is specific to the player and, you know, every, every person and player heals differently. Um, the reality is, is if this is a, you know, win and go to the Pac-12 title game scenario, we're having a different discussion. But it's the second game of the year and you have various important players who are at various recovery points of their respective uh, recovery process. I, you know, I said this on your show the last couple of weeks, like, they're not going to rush Cam back. They're not going to rush Brandt back because if you rush those guys back and they get injured further and aren't able to play the rest of the season, um, nothing against the players behind them, but they're just not the caliber of those guys in front of them. And that's just the reality of the sport. There's a reason why starters are starters and why stars are stars. Um, I, I, I don't know what these unspecified injuries are to other players. The only ones we know are that Brandt and, and Cam suffered torn ACLs at different points a year ago, and that's a very tricky recovery to come back from. For Brant, he's probably one of the fastest tight ends in the country. That's what his whole game is predicated on, is getting away from linebackers and safeties. Um, and if he's not ready to go, um, it doesn't matter, you know, at, at what point, you know, you might be looking at the schedule. It's just not worth risking his longevity at Utah and at the pro level, frankly. So, um, I, I, I agree that conference play matters first and foremost, and that Utah's most difficult teams on the schedule this year are going to be in conference, which is interesting to say because of the strength of their non-conference schedule. Um, but if you're a Utah fan, you just have to hope that these guys are back for the you know stretch run of the season, or even for the early part of the of the Pac-12 season, because it's going to be a slog. Pre-game coverage for Utah football on the station begins at 6 a.m. bright and early with Porter and Nate Orchard, and then kickoff from Waco is going to be at 10. Uh, so uh, make some plans for that. All right, um, one more Utah-related thing, because once again you wrote and didn't tell your best friend, which hurts me greatly. Uh, I did read it. Um, so Florida, as we talked about, traveled west for the first time since 91 when they went up to, shout out to John Paul, uh, Syracuse. So long, long time ago. Um, but what you wrote indicates it might be the start of a trend, yeah? So let's talk about uh, you know, your latest for The Athletic and some of the things you were able to learn and where you fans can go you know, read that. College football fans can go read it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think in my job now, I'd, rather than focusing on kind of the, the micro, I wanted to take a macro look at what this game was emblematic of in the landscape of college football. And the reality is, um, nobody in their right mind ever really would have imagined Florida coming to play in Salt Lake City. And if you were, you're lying to yourself. Um, 
And this is kind of the start of what we're seeing in terms of the SEC powerhouses being willing to pad their schedule with more difficult tests. And um, historically, we've seen folks like Alabama and Georgia play the the Colgates or the McNeese States in week two or three or week 12. Um, But entering this new era of the 12-team playoff, um, you know, several folks that I talked to, including Florida AD Scott Strickland and LSU executive uh, deputy AD Verge Osberry, they said that they know that or they hope that the CFP committee will change their mindset from placing an emphasis on win-loss record and go instead with the strength of schedule. And if that's the case, you're going to need to have at least one, maybe two bangers of a non-conference game on your schedule every year because the committee could potentially be more interested in if you're testing yourself to let you in as opposed to just skating the way a lot of these powers have. And you know what? They, some of these powers historically have been able to skate because they've beaten the teams in front of them, and a lot of teams they beat are, are other top five or top ten teams because they play them in conference. But the reality is the SEC is utilizing its brand to be able to expand now to come out west. Fans at these powerhouse schools will travel, as we saw with, with Florida. Auburn plays at Cal this week. And, um, you know, it's going to take some time, but LSU has a home and home with Utah and Arizona State. Um, you know, Alabama has a home and home with UCLA. Georgia has a home and home with UCLA. So many of these schools are now willing to leave their comfort zone and be able to, frankly, make money because they know their fans are going to travel. And, um, it's it's just a totally different ball game compared to when you were in school or when I was in school, because the reality was, was you just weren't you were just it was a snowball's chance in hell you were going to get Florida Salt Lake and now they're here. It was you know it wasn't a, a great game, but the Florida fans that I talked to loved it and they and they said that they'll go wherever the Gators go. So that's just um, emblematic of what the future of college football will look like. Do you, do you, and there may be no way of knowing this outside of maybe kicking the tires with fans who attend the games, has Utah as a program elevated themselves to the point where their fan base travels the same way some of these these other big brands travel? I, I know there's no way of knowing that outside of maybe digging into the research, but you mentioned Florida fans will go where Florida goes. Uh, is there enough of a contingent to kind of be analogous here? Do you fans go where Utah goes now? I think the Big 12 move, Spence, will be a great litmus test for this whole thing because the, the the travel component is significantly more difficult now for Utah fans compared to the Pac-12. And I think, I can't remember who at the Salt Lake Tribune wrote that this week, but they did a good job of diving into the fact that traveling to Utah football games now is going to be exponentially more expensive than traveling to Pac-12 um, you know, games. So um, I think Utah fans will travel um, I do think Utah fans are also historically, and this is not specific to Ute fans, but you kind of got to make them earn it. Other, like when I say that, like if Utah has a few down years, I don't know how many Utah fans are going to be yearning to go to Cincinnati or go to Houston for an away game. Um, but as currently constituted, Utah is one of the best programs in the country and has been for a decade, and their trajectory is upward. 
I just don't know what their what the staying power of the travel component will look like once they get into the Big 12. All right, moving over to our brethren down south, the BYU Bros. Shout out to the Bros. Um, some consternation, uh, some uh, some concern after a 14 point showing on offense against the mighty Sam Houston, whatever they are, uh, first year as a Division One. Uh, legitimate FCS program. I know they won the national championship in FBS, but you get the deal. Uh, the good news is Jay Hill's defense looked good. It was a shutout. No matter who you play against, getting a shutout is good. Uh, I was surprised to see that was the first shutout in nine years, but nonetheless, uh, they welcome in a Southern Utah team that gave Arizona State all they wanted on the road last week after that two-hour weather delay. Um, A-Rod, since taking over as the play caller in 2020, has really uh, smashed every you know lower you know FBS team they've played to the tune of like 55 points, over 550 yards. What would make the Bros happy tomorrow? Our good friends, <laughs> our brethren down south, offensively as Southern Utah infiltrates Lavelle Edwards Stadium at one o'clock Mountain Time. Uh, I mean, the re- the truth is, I think what would make the BYU guys happy is seeing their two best weapons healthy. Cody Epson, Keanu Hill didn't play last week, and I don't know if they're going to play again this week. Um, it's it's difficult for a quarterback, no matter who you're playing, to not have your two best targets. And I'm not, you know, saying that Keaton Slovis should have, you know, sliced the Sam Houston Bearcats. By the way, Spence and Cats is with a K um, for you. So thank you very much. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're you're without your two best wide receivers, and it's your new quarterback's first game. I would pump the brakes. Um, you know, it is it is something that's ironic because you know BYU fans would historically say like, oh, we might have won fifty six to twenty eight, but I'm mad we gave up twenty eight points to the Bearcats with a K. Now it's just a little different. You know, you you won fourteen to to zero and. The first two games of the season weren't great, and you have Arkansas in week three. You just press on. Um, I know Southern Utah, like you said, did give ASU a run for their money, um, but my bet would be that BYU figures it out. Um, I, this L.J. Martin kid, the running back, is supposed to have a tremendous amount of upside. My guess is the, the Cougars are okay offensively against the Mighty T-Birds. All right, um, let's see here. Real quick, uh, before I set you loose, let's do a little soccer at the risk of upsetting the football bros. Uh, but we will see the U.S. men's national team in action. I think it's tomorrow. Is that right? It's tomorrow they're in action? Um, and yeah. is, it the, is it the first game where, you know, Greg Berhalter is back in charge after the uh, reality TV mess that we saw with the Rainers and the Berhalters keeping up with all of that was a mess? Uh, what, what, what should fans of the U.S. men's national team hope for now that it appears that Greg is going to be back and back, you know, for this next World Cup cycle? And what's your take on maybe the lineup that we're going to see tomorrow for the U.S. men's national team? Well, in a change of approach, Greg basically just announced his starting lineup to the press today, and I think that's not that uncommon for a friendly. So, I mean, this this is a low stakes game, but the. Uh, the, the heavy hitters are scheduled to be playing, and that's important um, for a multitude of reasons because anytime you can get your best players together on a field um, to get reps together, that's that's what matters. Um, Gio Reyna will not be there, though, Spence, because he is returning from injury at Dortmund, so um, the, uh, the soap opera will have to wait a little bit longer before we encounter the, the first public Greg Gio um, uh, return so to speak. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, Weston McKinney said yesterday that, you know, their goal ahead of this next World Cup cycle is to change the future of soccer by what they can do. And um, they have the talent to do it if they can all stay healthy and if they can avoid the the e-channel drama. I really think that this group, as currently constituted, could make some noise in 26. So I know Uzbekistan is no world beater, but anytime you can watch, you know, Christian Pulisic, McKinney, Tim Weah, these guys play, it's fun and it's worth it because this national team has a boatload of talent. Finally, a thought on the Lats. Uh, you know, we talked about them potentially not being able to hoist a trophy as a result of League's Cup and Open Cup failures. However, they hoisted a trophy last week, Rocky Mountain Cup, fourth straight Rocky Mountain Cup, makes its way back to America First Field. Uh, but more important than that, due respect to the rivalry, I guess, is a much-needed three points after a four-game uh, spell where they were outscored 12-2. to two. Uh, They're off, I believe, for a couple of weeks. So what's your expectation for RSL down the stretch, CK, before it sets loose? Yeah, find a way to replace what Pablo Ruiz can do. Um, Find a way to fortify the midfield, whether that be through change of formation or switching players around. Um, the, The midfield just hasn't been the same since Pablo went out and suffering such a devastating injury. Um, you could tell that RSL relied on him so much. And um, I think they have what it takes to stay in the playoff race. My expectations are this team is currently good enough to host a first-round playoff game. And as we've seen the last couple of years under Pablo, you never know what can happen. I mean, your team can get hot at the right time and, and things can, can take off. But um, they have to figure out a way to be more dynamic going forward and score more goals and figure out a way to not be a seed in the midfield they have been since Pablo went out. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.